Welcome to The Huddle, man. I'm Michael Bumpus. I'm joined by my guy, Dave Wyman. Dave, how you doing, sir? I'm doing good, man. Uh, feel a lot better. Ready for uh, Christmas. Ready to go to Kansas City and uh, fired up for this game. How about you? How you doing? I'm good, man. I can't complain. I'm, I'm a little stressed out because, you know, you got Christmas coming up and my wife does most of the shopping. Yeah. And uh, for some reason, I still get stressed out. Like I'm, I'm like that's my responsibility, but it really isn't. So, <laughs> but, I have I have not been Christmas shopping in like ten years. My, my wife, just... she does everything, and like she even buys her own gifts. Really? And, and then I'll wrap them for her, and then <laughs> she acts surprised. No, she doesn't. <laughs> but she just wants things under the tree. But we're we're going very low key Christmas this year. My daughter's here. We're not having family over. Everybody's spread out and everything. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, you can always get on, like, a Zoom call or whatever and uh, see your family, right? Yeah, if there's anything COVID taught us, use yeah. technology to your advantage, man. Exactly. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, let's recap this 49ers game. And, Dave, I think I heard you talking about the Niners game, and I was kind of on par with you. I thought this was going to be – a tough one. I thought the Niners would win by two or three scores. I look at what they have on defense and on offense, and I was nervous going into this game, but I was proud of, of the way these guys competed, man. Purdy, start off the game 11 for 11. The 49ers, uh, Mr. Irrelevant, played well. Chris McCaffrey touched the ball 32 times. Like, wow. I don't know how they're going to be able to keep this up, Dave, but overall, I was proud of the way these guys competed, And uh, but the Niners are a good football team. They're a really good football team, and really, you look at, and this is something I kind of learned watching uh, the rest of the NFL um, over the weekend, and which I love that when we have like a Thursday game or something where you can watch the other teams and just, you know, watch red zone and stuff, but you look at the offensive and defensive lines um, of the teams that are really good, they're just, they're superior. I mean, watching yeah. the Philadelphia uh, Eagles defensive line get their 54th sack of the year. 54 there's three games left i think they've had like six games with six sacks or something like that the last six so just uh and, you, and then you look at um just an overwhelming defensive line with the, the the 49ers and then their offensive line too those two sides of the ball and that's where you know you go you look forward and think because i was kind of going through and looking how the niners were built yeah. and they got nick bosa with i think the third pick of the draft if it wasn't the second so, I mean, they got a lot of those guys, and they acquire Trent Williams, and they draft um, the kid out of Notre Dame, who's their, their left guard, plays next to Trent Williams. You know, you get Kittle in the fifth round. And, you know, that's kind of the opportunity that the Seahawks have. They've not had that, you know, 4-12 and uh, 12 season like, like the Niners have. So, you know, I just think that maybe it kind of showed you that the Seahawks are maybe a little bit, you know, further away maybe than we thought. But – Got a lot of good young talent and guys like Tariq Woolen and Ken Walker and the two tackles are just going to get better and better. I love your Coug guy, Abraham Lucas bump. That guy is, he's like a grown man you yeah, know, for, for a guy who's like, <laughs> what, 22, 23 years old. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just kind of a lesson of what, you know, uh, what you can do if you do get, you know, these uh, these high draft choices. And it looks like with the, the Broncos, they're, they're going to get one. Yeah, and before we move over to the Chiefs, man, I want to point out that it was a close game, and the Niners got a gift. That Travis Homer fumble uh, was a gift. Granted, they caused the fumble. It was a good hit, good for them. Hat on the ball, boom, pops out. They return it uh, a few yards. And then the big play at halftime to 
um, George Kittle, which were there was a bust in coverage. I believe Tariq was supposed to have deep thirds. He got caught up a little bit. Um, George Kittle's able to run. Hindsight is always twenty twenty, but when you look at those two plays, you go, man, if you're just a little tight, right? Even if you fumble the football, you don't allow a big return, or George Kittle catches that football, you don't allow him to go 54 yards for a touchdown, this game might look a bit different. So I think that's what keeps me optimistic. People are always on me, they're saying, look, I'm too, I'm too optimistic, but that's just that's just how I live my life, Dave. I like how those two, those two plays, and I'm like, all right, man, we can work with this. Yeah. I can't help but think about the bogus call on Nick Bosa, though. And he, yeah, I was disappointed in him, man. He was like, yeah, I should have put. No, you shouldn't have done anything, man. You cannot <laughs> defy gravity. You can't defy <laughs> momentum. These are principles that God created. You can't overcome that. So I thought that was ridiculous. But um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, there's just a couple of plays there that uh, I honestly going into that game and sorry, Seahawks fans. I thought the Seahawks were going to get blown out, not because they're well, first of all, they are not playing well right now. Right. And when you catch a team like that uh, and then you look at the way the Niners are playing, I thought it was probably going to be a little bit more of a blowout, especially the way they had not been stopping the run and with their run game and what they can do. Uh, I thought it was going to I thought they kept it closer than uh, than it could have been. But you're right about, you know, just a couple plays there. Quandre drops a pick. Yeah. You know, um, then, you know, the fumble happens. Although that dude, Dre Greenlaw, he's caused a lot of havoc up here. I mean, two plays really, but forced the fumble there back in 2019, basically won the NFC West championship for them by making the tackle on Jacob Hollister at the goal line. Yeah. So now let's focus on the Chiefs. They are 11 and three. And when you look at this offense, Dave, it is impressive. Number one overall when it comes to yards. Average 429 yards per game. 16th when it comes to the rush offense, 119. Number one pass offense, 309 a game. And the number one when it comes to points per game. Pete Carroll said in his presser, he goes, yeah, they're going to run the football, but they understand what they have. They got the best quarterback in the league. They got weapons everywhere. You got Travis Kelsey. Uh, Scantlin's going to be there. You got Kelsey. Um, Hardman is back. When you look at this offense, man, uh, it makes me a bit nervous. I'm just happy that they're not great running the football, but we all know what teams are going to do, at least to start the game. They're going to test out that run defense and see what you can do. Yeah, that doesn't seem to matter um, you know, where they're <laughs> ranked as far as run goes. I mean, look, they're getting 120 a game. Uh, you're right, though. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're 29 points, almost 30 points a game. They're number one in that. The thing that blows me away, they're passing yards. It's 35 passing yards more than the next closest team. Same with their total yards. They have 30 yards per game more than the next, not the last place team, the second team. (laughs) So these guys are doing it. But I I don't think for a minute that they don't think they can run the ball on -hmm. our defense because Carolina didn't think that way. They got 223. I don't, they were ranked, I think, bottom of bottom half anyway. I mean, the Rams, they were second worst. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were the worst. So, I, you know, I don't want to be, be too negative, but, like, that's, that's something. Don't think that they are just going to try to throw the ball all, all over the yard. I feel like our, our pass defense is a lot better than our run defense, and I kind of like uh, the opportunity of a guy like Tariq Woolen. I think he can face anybody. But, you know, they're going to, especially if it's cold, and here's something about swirling winds, which you probably know this better than anybody, Bump, is wind the worst element that you can have in the passing game? Oh, the worst. It can be cold. It can be snowing. Once that wind gets going and the quarterback has to adjust uh, his aim 
kind of like I do off the tee box when I'm slicing stuff and hooking it. You know what I mean? You kind of adjust where you're trying to compensate. That makes it tough. And then for the receivers, it's tracking it because that thing's moving, man. And then I think about the returners, too. You kick that, that football in the air, especially at pump return, it's going to be tough, man. So maybe that'll neutralize the uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm, I'm look, I've am i been looking for edges all week, Dave. I'm like, all right, man. And one that I did find is a turnover differential. Right? Yes. These guys are, are minus six or 30 if the Hawks are plus one. So because they throw the football a lot, they're liable to turn the football over. Uh, Pat Mahomes had three picks against the Texans. That's what kept them in the game. I'm like, if the Texans can do it, we should be able to hang around. Yeah, and only Houston has thrown more interceptions than Kansas City. I think they're number 30 in turnover ratio. They're minus six. So, yeah, they're they're throwing it up. He throws it up for grabs. But I'll tell you what, man, Kelsey, that guy, and we saw it from George Kittle. That was the one thing I came away from that game bump. Looking at like I always knew George Kittle was good and all that, but I had no idea that he had that kind of burst and he was that fast. Yeah, I mean those were two bad missed tackles by Quandre and Cody, uh, but still that the way he cut back, Kelsey's even better, man. If you watch that guy, he's ridiculous. I don't know how somebody that big runs that fast. I don't, I don't even know what his forty speed is, but it doesn't matter. His field speed is superior. So yeah, that's going to be um, and those two have like a connection, I feel like you're almost better off playing man on him. Mm-hmm. You have a better chance because I see what he does to zones. And him and Patrick are so wired in. What am I calling him on the first name basis? Him and Mahomes are like so <laughs> wired in that, you know, they almost know what each other's thinking. And you see every once in a while that he'll throw it back across his body. And, you know, you, as far as, you know, where where his body motion is going, anybody else would go to the right and Kelsey goes to the left. Like uh-huh. he just knows him. They're both on the same page, man. It's it's fun to watch, but I hope they uh, they're not on the same page this weekend. Man, we got a great show for you guys. We're going to be joined by Quandre Diggs and Kobe Parkinson coming up next. Also, we're going to hear Gino at the podium. But when we return, uh, we'll hear from Quandre. That's coming up next. This is the Huddle on Michael Bumpus. That's my guy, Dave Wyman. Welcome back to the Huddle on Michael Bumpus, joined by Dave Wyman. Practice just wrapped up. We're waiting on Quandre to come join us. But uh, in the meantime... Speaking of Quandre, I was asked in, on the Bump and Stacy show, who should be covering Travis Kelsey? And I go, man, it's got to be one of your safeties. I prefer Ryan Neal so Quandre can kind of lurk in the back end. What are your yeah. thoughts there, Dave? That's exactly what I said yesterday, Bump. I thought, you know, because I said, I, you know, the thing I said earlier about going man-to-man instead of zone. And I said, look, probably, I mean, who's your best cover guy? I think it's, I think it's Tariq, mm-hmm. you know. But, yeah, by the way. I was down there on the field before the Carolina game, and that dude came walking out with his helmet on and in his cleats. He looked seven feet tall. <laughs> he is so freaking tall and lean and long. But, no, I said exactly yesterday that I think Ryan Neal should do the covering. And then if you're Quandre Diggs, and this is how it was when we played man with a single high safety, you got help. He's going to help whoever has – the hardest matchup, you right. know, and that's up to them, you know, whether it's on the outside or whatever. I mean, a lot of safeties don't like to desert the middle of the field and go help the outside guy. Usually those corners, you, you leave them alone. But yeah, I mean, to me, I'm going, look, that's that's where that's the toughest matchup. So if you can get, you know, Ryan Neal and maybe bracket him, you know, Ryan Neal takes anything inside and he takes anything. Quandre takes anything outside. And you got to give him special attention. I mean, you know Patrick Mahomes is going to throw to him, and 
you know, I, I feel like that's their, their best option. Also, I want to see these edge rushers just get into Kelsey off the line of scrimmage. You know, if he releases, give him something to think about. Because as a receiver, um, if you allow me a free release, life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. Yep, sounds good. I think we got Quandre, right? We got Quandre. Quandre, you there with us? Yep, I'm here. How y'all doing? I'm good. well, How man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Good. I, I know you've been asked about the weather all week, but I'm going to ask you another one. <laughs> Um, man, I was a layered up kind of guy. When I played in the cold, man, I had a hoodie. I had two shirts on underneath. I probably gained about 10 pounds when it was cold out. What's your approach to that? You layered up or you kind of just is another day, same, same swag? <laughs> nah, man, I'm wearing my same swag. Um, that's kind of how I've always been. I mean, you feel the cold, but at the end of the day, man, you try to keep them jackets on as long as you can and keep my normal, my normal little swag on and keep it pushing but you know i mean it's gonna be cold i'm sure to be some guys out there with some extra layered uh long sleeves on and stuff like that but i'll be normal one sleeve and the other arm hanging out just doing my thing okay so no special well you're a texas guy though to me man i'm a a west coast guy i hated the heat hated it because i mean you can always get warmer when it's cold but you can't get cooler i mean when you got the, the pads on you rather play in, in colder heat i guess heat probably for you right oh i definitely rather play in heat i mean all i got to do is hydrate in the heat you know what yeah. i mean i can hydrate in the cold not like you could just take some hot chocolate out there <laughs> hot chocolate or something, you know what i mean so i definitely rather play in the heat and you know sweat it out and i feel a lot looser when i'm in the mm. when i'm in the heat too you know those muscles get real get really going you can run fast out there when you got that when it's hot outside hey Quandre there's no such thing as moral victories in the NFL but I was just encouraged by the way you guys played against the 49ers minus a few plays man it you guys were, were right in that thing when you watch the film um is that the feeling that you got as well or am I my seeing things I mean I think we played well I mean we could have played a lot better you know myself included uh I just think, you know what I mean, like you say, there's no more victories. We know, you know, that's a robbery game. We needed that one. We wanted that one. And we came up short. That's just kind of what it is. Um, but, you know, I think we can improve off that. You know what I mean? That could be a stepping stone to us playing better. Um, so I think, you know, you can take that out of there. But like I say, there's no more victories. I mean, you try to turn the page and get better. But um, at the end of the day, you know what I mean, we lost. And we got to be better than that. Hey, Quandre, what what makes it? What makes it so tough to cover tight ends like Gronkowski or Kittle or, or Kettle or uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Kittle or uh, or Travis Kelsey? I mean, I, I see that they're they're pretty fast for big guys and they got big bodies. I mean, is it the the combination of size and speed? What, what how how would you answer that question? I mean, I think those guys are just really effective because you know they can run after the catch. You know, those just not you know big guys that can complete the catch and. You know, it's an eight-yard gain. They take the eight-yard gain. Those guys are trying to go get 30, 40 yards after the catch. So I think that's definitely what makes them unique, you know, and three of the best tight ends that's been in the league for a long time, you know, excluding Gronk, even though he's retired, but he's arguably the best ever. And, yeah. you know, you got um, Kelsey, you know, he's you know, he's right up there on trajectory, you know, to be one of the best ever also. And then Kittle, he's still, you know, he's still young. and He's still not young, but, you know, he's a seasoned guy. He's in his prime right now. He's still putting up big numbers. And he's going to consistently do that. So um, those guys just special individuals and special talents. And, you know, any chance you get a chance to compete against those guys, you always want to step your game up a level. 
Well, Bump and I were talking, and, you know, I'm not asking you to give us the game plan, but the thing we liked was maybe Ryan Neal covering Kelsey and then you with a little uh, little help over the top. What, what do you think? How much of the game plan is going to be that? <laughs> we, don't, we don't want you to tell us everything, but is it going to involve that at least? Oh, uh, man, we'll see. You know, we'll see. You know, we, you know I'm not going to give out specifics. Answer. I think everybody's listening to kind of – what I say in these interviews and try to see, you know, what I'm talking about. But, um, I mean, it'll be a good competitive game. You know, we'll have some stuff where, you know, he'll see two, three people. That's just, you know, that's normal for him. It's not like it's anything he doesn't see each and every True. week. So, yeah. um, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll keep scheming it up. You know, the coaches are doing a great job getting us in line and getting us ready to go. So, um, it'll be very interesting to see. Andre, what is uh, what's preparation like for a team like the Chiefs? Because they're going to throw the ball all over the yard, at least attempt to. Uh, they can run the football, averaging about 120 on the ground. But the weather's going to be a factor. We're hearing it might be swirling winds. Uh, so when you guys are preparing, do you talk about the weather and say, okay, if the weather shifts and they go ground game, this is what we do. If it's, if it's perfect and they're able to throw it, this is what we do. Or is preparing for everything just part of your weekly routine when it comes to preparing? I mean, I think it's definitely part of everything, you know, that you put in. You know, it's the game within the game that people don't see. Uh, you know what I mean? Small things like that as weather shifting, you know, uh, you know, rain, snow, you know, um, the conditions of the field, different things like that. I think a lot of people think we just line up and go play football. You know what I mean? Who's dealing with injuries? Who's coming off injuries? Things like that that, you know, the common person won't see. But, you know, it's things that we got to account for in games that, you might not see on TV, but I think that's just part of the normal, you know, um, preparation for a game. And that's something that I've learned throughout this league that, you know, things can change any minute. Well, Andre, tell us about the young guys, particularly Tariq Woolen. I was on a bus ride with him in Germany. He talks a lot, and it's really funny. He's just very kind of innocent and uh, and young. But tell us about some of those those young fellows that you got working with you in the backfield there. Uh, I mean, those guys, uh, they continue to learn. You know, they're, they're very special individuals, very, very different individuals than Kobe and Tariq. And, um, the way they go about themselves, you know, of course, Tariq is the more goofy guy. <laughs> um, Kobe is a little bit more serious, you know. Uh, so, you know, they definitely had those. And, you know, um, those guys, they, they just go out there and compete. They, you know, they they willing to learn. They do the small things, you know what I mean? And um, that's what's cool about seeing those young guys continue to grow. And, you know, I enjoy being around. I'm, you know, I'm I'm glad I can be a mentor to those guys. And they ask me, you know, certain questions because they know I've been in the league for a long time and um, been playing at a high level for a long time. So um, I just think it's, it's special, you know, you draft those, get both of those guys in the draft and both of those guys are producing for you big time throughout the year. And, um you know, I just, I mean, I'm, I'm proud of those guys. I'm proud to be affiliated with those guys, and I just want them to continue to get better. Last one I got for you, Quandre. Um, have you seen a rookie wall? Have you felt a rookie wall? And how have you helped these guys through that if it is there? Um, I don't I don't think it's too big. You know, I think it's certain things that, you know, as the season gets longer, you know, sometimes you have little lapses here and there. And, you know, whether it's, you know, studying film, ice tub, cold tub, you know, it's just the small things like that that you continue to get on them about and, um, just make sure that they continue to take care of their body because the season is long. And right now they'll be getting ready for bowl practices and this and that. And, you know, bowl practices is not – I mean, 
bowl practice, you're not getting too many reps and things like that. But now you playing real games, you know what I mean? Like, you playing games where it really count. And um, I think for them, you know, your body might be a little tired, so you got to do a little bit more extra maintenance for that body. And um, I think those are the things that, you know, that you try to teach them. It's not like they're not willing to learn. They're not putting in the time and the preparation to learn playbooks and things like that. They're doing that. It's just keeping them mentally sharp and keeping them physically sharp so, you know, they're ready to go. Well, Andre, real quick, Carl Scott told me that, that they used to call you Quandre the Giant at Texas. Is that right? Yeah, that was a little nickname that they that they gave me my <laughs> freshman year. <laughs> All right, Quandre, man, we appreciate uh, your time, man. Uh, thanks, you have a good Quandre. week of prep and, uh, and safe travels. We'll see you soon. Yes, sir. Appreciate y'all. All right, that was Quandre Diggs, the veteran safety back there. When we return, we're going to be joined by the one of the tight ends, Colby Parkinson. That is next on The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle this week on a Wednesday from noon to 2. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman, and now we are joined by tight end Colby Parkinson. Colby, how you doing, man? Doing great, guys. Thanks for having me on. Good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start this interview the same way I started with Quandre because I'm just fascinated, man. I'm, uh, I don't like the cold. Like, I can do cold, <laughs> but I don't like the cold. You know what I'm saying? And then when I played ball, I was layered up when it was cold. Like right. late in the season, Eastern Washington, I got sleeves on, a hoodie on. I gained 10 pounds naturally. You uh, you put on some weight. You ready for the winter, man. You going to be <laughs> out there with the guns out, or what's, what's your style this weekend? So usually I'm sleeveless no matter what, but I think this week I'll throw the sleeves on uh, just to make sure I'm staying warm and not uh, frozen out there. You see, it. Cody, he's a big old Viking now. Man. <laughs> he, he loves the cold, likes to block. I think I asked you the other day, Colby, about – whether you'd rather get like a 18 yard crossing route or a pancake block, this guy's turning into a, you know, sort of a de facto offensive lineman bump. He said block. You, you, did you like, you like the pancake? I think, didn't you? Oh yeah, Colby? absolutely. <laughs> Nothing like a good pancake block. I, well, but to me, cold is so much better than heat. I, I just, I couldn't stand playing in the heat. You're a California guy. I'm, I'm from the West coast. I, are you that way? Or would you, are you really, do you hate the cold more? Uh, I probably prefer the heat, but once you get down into the south and you have some of that humidity, I'd probably yeah. prefer the cold. Yeah. Now, Colby, obviously I'm a, I'm a bit older than you. I posted something the other day. Uh, the 2001 Miami Hurricane team like made me fall in love with football. That team was ridiculous, man. Was there a team uh, growing up or a player growing up that made you fall in love with the game and say, this is what I want to do? Uh, well, growing up in Southern California, uh, it was kind of during the, the reign of USC and, you know, Coach Pete down there. Uh, right. So watched them all the time. And, you know, Reggie Bush and some of those guys were uh, definitely the first big football influences in my life. Hey, at Stanford, when I came out, there weren't very many guys in the NFL. And, um, you know, I remember my advisor saying, yeah, you're going to have to miss a lot of time with this whole combine thing and the draft and the all-star game and, you know, like you, you might not want to do this, <laughs> but now, I mean, it's pretty common there. What did you, uh, did your advisors ever say anything like that to you or were they all pretty hip to the NFL at that point? Uh, they're pretty in tune with it. You know, the guys, there's been some guys that have gone before me uh, that left early and uh, helped them figure out their degrees later on. So I was able to take the, uh, the winter quarter off and then uh, actually when COVID hit, I re-enrolled in classes. So I only have a, a couple classes left to get my degree. Oh, okay. That a kid. Uh, you guys are taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Obviously, when you're watching film, you're looking at this defense and, and seeing what they like to do in certain situations, certain formations. But you're playing against a tight end who's one of the best in the league. Do you ever click over to the 
the uh, the offensive film for the Chiefs and, and just see what he's doing to kind of uh, uh, see where you can take a bits and pieces from his game? Yeah, absolutely. Kelsey's uh, having an incredible year, and it seems like he's getting better with time somehow. Um, but he's, he's very fun to watch. He's so fluid, and it, it doesn't seem like he's trying when he's out there. He's so smooth with it and, uh, you know, very agile. So it's fun to watch and definitely uh, take some things from his game and add them to mine. What about their defense, Colby? We mostly talk, talk about, you know, Mahomes and their passing game. But uh, what do you see on, on their defense that's, uh, that's good, that's a threat? Yeah, they're a stout group up front. Uh, you know, obviously they got Frank Clark at the end and then uh, big old three-tech in there. Um, linebackers are downhill, and uh, I think it poses some opportunities for us in uh, both the run and pass game. I think Shane has a great plan coming into this week, and uh, we'll be able to attack them in a lot of different ways. Uh, the Chiefs are good against the run, man. They're, they're fifth against the run, only, only allowing 105 yards per game. It's been a while since we saw the run game that we're used to seeing as a tight end group. Um, how do you guys take ownership of that? Because I always say, man, once the run game gets going, the tight ends are playing well, then you guys are going to be even more open in the pass game. What's the, what's the approach in the tight end room when it comes to getting the run game going? Yeah, um, I, I completely agree with you that once we get the run game going, everything else opens up and uh, some keys for us are just technique, you know, keep doing our job out there uh, and it's going to pop. We trust our backs uh, to read it out and um, do what they've been doing all year. So we'll get back to that this week and uh, that'll definitely be a priority for us. Colby, uh, I'm not sure what your uh, Christmas plans are, but it looks like you get back pretty e- uh, pretty early on uh, Christmas Eve, like eight o'clock or so. Not too bad. Yeah, what are your, uh, what are some of the plans that uh, because football kind of kind of ruins the holidays a little <laughs> bit, but. What, uh, what are your plans for Christmas? Um, I got family in town, so I'll come cool. back uh, Christmas Eve and then we'll go right to, uh, you know, some good Christmas Eve dinner with them. And uh, I'm sure they'll already have had food, but they'll, they'll stay up for me and we'll hang out, play games like we always do. And then uh, just spend the day together on Christmas. It's a it's a blessing to have that day off. Now, you're a bachelor, right? So, I mean, are you living with a roommate or? I actually live with my brother and sister-in-law. Okay. So yep, you guys so... got your tree up and everything? Oh, yeah. We got we got everything ready to go. I, I live with my two nephews as well, so they're they're all excited for Christmas, and uh, it's gonna be fun to spend it with them. Real tree or fake tree? Real tree, always, <laughs> always real. Always. I see. I, Colby, I'm, I've tricked my kids. All they know is fake trees. I, I got them <laughs> early. I'm like, look. <laughs> I grew up in California. I used to cry when my mom did not get a real tree. I, I, I was that kid. So you're a smart uh, kid then. Yeah, good good for you, man. Good for you. Well, I so, cried um, last year when we got our first fake tree so, at, you... at age 57. Yeah, it, was, it was sad. Fair enough, fair enough. Nothing like the smell, right? The I smell know, of that I stuff. Uh, man, when it comes to gifts, right, I'm 37 years old, Colby, and I think I'm finally getting right when it comes to getting gifts that mean something. You know what I'm saying? If you yeah. had to rate your gift giving, are you a – Okay, I'm going with just the the shiny thing. I'm going with the thing that means something and has a story behind it. Uh, I'd say I'm a pretty good gift giver. I think everyone in my family would agree. Uh, I like to do I like to do both. You know, uh, something nice that they wouldn't get themselves, but also something that's very personal to them. So, I it's my favorite time uh, Christmas morning is just giving out the gifts that I picked out for everyone and seeing their reactions. So no gift cards for Colby Parkinson. <laughs> no no gift cards. That's yes. for sure. Not very personal. <laughs> yeah what, uh, what about when you're growing up though uh colby was it was it sports equipment or what was the the big gift that you remember when you were a little kid oh the big gift uh my parents got uh, i have two siblings and my parents got us all a wee one year and i remember that was really fun we played wee bowling until two in the morning and just hung out it was really cool 
Yeah, we did that in college. I probably missed a couple of classes in college, Toby, because <laughs> <laughs> it got intense with the we, man. Yep. Hey, we um we appreciate you taking time out of your preparation. You know, you're fresh off a walkthrough. Um, you guys go out and, and do your thing, man. Dress warm and, and enjoy the experience and get home safely. I appreciate you guys. God bless and Merry Christmas. All Thank right, you. appreciate it. That was Colby Parkinson, one of the tight ends for your Seattle Seahawks. We got a lot more to do when we get back. We're going to hear from Gino as he steps up to the podium. I'm Michael Bumpus. That's Dave Wyman. This is The Huddle. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus, joined by Dave Wyman. Now we are going to the podium. Gino is speaking. Good question. I think the coldest one I played in is uh, in Minnesota. Maybe my second year um, when they were playing outside, Gopher Stadium was like probably below 10, somewhere around there. What uh, I mean, just hand warmer. Uh, you know, you, the really, you just got to stay warm. You know, keep keep the blood flowing, keep your body warm. Uh, but I, you know, I don't really prepare different. I don't think you, you know, some guys are different. Every every guy's different. So, uh, you know, it's it's custom to the person. But for me, uh, just pretty much the same. As long as I got a hand warmer and a, a nice jacket, you know, I think I'll be all right. When you run a air, air out a deep throw and it's not windy but it's really cold, does it affect the ball flight? Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, just from the games that I've played, uh, just from my time in college at West Virginia, um, being in New York, you know, I don't, I don't really think the uh, if it's not wind, um, you know, I don't think that really affects it too much. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, just as long as it's uh, properly inflated and you know the ball feels nice, um, you know, I'm good with it. Uh, I don't really have like a special preference, but uh, you know, as long as the ball's in my hands, I feel great. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely want to throw a catchable ball. You know, I want to make sure that I'm, you know, that's that's a part of accuracy. That's a part of being a, you know, a good quarterback is uh, throwing your guys catchable footballs. You know, um, especially when it's cold, you don't want to really try and fire it too hard. You know, it's tough on those guys to make those catches. But um, you know, appreciate Patrick, man. I, you know, I feel, feel the same way about his game, man. He's one of the best in the game and. He's already got a you know a Hall of Fame resume um, to be so young, so that's pretty impressive. And uh, yeah, I just tried my best to you know throw passes so they can catch them. What's the trick to throwing spirals every time? Usually, some balls don't come out quite the same. As uh, honestly, I don't think there's a trick. I don't know. Honestly, I, yeah, it's just how I throw. I don't really know. I can't really put a finger on it. Yeah, um, it's, it's very important. It's very important. Uh, that's why we do all the reps in OTAs. That's why we get all those reps in, in mini camp and training camp to develop that um, timing. You know, football is very fast game in the NFL. You know, things are happening fast. You make split-second decisions as a quarterback, and uh, a lot of it comes down to your preparation, which is why it's so important. And uh, we, we've done a great job at preparing and uh, getting the rhythm of each other, you know, learning each other. And uh, it, it goes both ways from quarterback to receiver and receiver to, to quarterback. Uh, it's very important that they're at the right landmark and that I'm seeing it the right way and throwing it um, in the right trajectory with the right pace and speed so that they can meet the ball and uh, it can be a completion, maybe a big play. Given the way you game plan, how much of an opportunity is this for your tight ends when, you know, one of your top receivers goes down? 
Yeah, I think it's, uh, you know, with Tyler not being here for this one, I think it gives everyone an opportunity um, to step up, which, you know, the guys have already been doing, you know, a pretty good job. But I think, uh, you know, obviously Tyler, you know, he takes a lion's share of um, the targets because he's that good. But uh, there's other guys who are very capable, more than capable, who, um, you know, just haven't gotten the, quite the opportunities. But, uh, you know, I think they'll excel when, when that opportunity comes. What do you lose about Tyler uh, I mean, a lot. You know, Tyler Lockett's been uh, a staple in this organization for a long time. Uh, you lose leadership. You lose a, a guy who is just extremely fiery. He's a dog. You know, as small as he is, uh, not not the biggest guy, not the you know strongest guy, but got the biggest heart. And so we uh, we lose one of our dynamic playmakers. Uh, we lose a guy who has been a big part of this offense uh, for a long time, but. You know, we also gained some things. We get an opportunity to see other guys step up in new roles, and uh, I look forward to that. One of the guys that can step up, and he stepped up many times before, is DK. You know, he, he was, he's the Pro Bowl receiver, got his big deal in the offseason. I think a lot of people are going, all right, this, this is your time to shine right now. Plus, win game without Tyler Lockett. How, how do you view all that? How important he is specifically for this next game? Uh, just the same as every other game. Um, he's a dynamic player. Uh, there's no added pressure, anything like that. He's just got to go out and play his game. Um, you know, he he knows who he is, knows how good he is. We do as well, and uh, he's going to garner a lot of attention. Uh, he he every single game. You know, we can expect that. But uh, you know, I expect DK to play with the same fire and passion that he always does. Um, and you know, I, I expect him to go out there and have a really good game. Uh, he's a great player. Love playing with him. Uh, the more opportunity he he gets, the better he is. And so uh, this is another chance for him to really showcase who he is. Chris Jones is an elite edge rusher, one of the many you've seen this year. What's different about the way he does it? Yeah, Chris Jones, man, he's got a unique style because, uh, you know, he plays inside, he plays outside, he can be the nose guard, he can play the three tech, you know, he can play the shade or he can play in. And uh, there's not many guys who can really play across the entire line like that. Um, I think he has 11 sacks right already. Um, so he's very productive, uh, and then you see him uh, at times just wrecking games. And so we've got to be mindful of where he is at all times. Uh, it's my job to make sure I get the ball out uh, in the proper fashion, so uh, he doesn't, you know, have that much of an impact on the game. What do you, what do you see when you see Carlos Dunlap over there as well? Man, still, still tall. You know, still tall. He hasn't, he hasn't shrunk an inch. Man, he's still tall. Uh, I think he leads the league in batted passes. Um, he does a great job uh, with those guys coming in, and um, you know he's a part of this you know pass rush package, and uh, he's been doing a great job, man. He's uh, he's making it hard on the quarterbacks. You know, six six guy with long arms. Uh, he's going to have to find ways to throw around him, but uh, he's he's a uh, you know he's a guy I've always uh, enjoyed playing with and against, and so I look forward to it. What are the aspects of Patrick's game that you really kind of focus in on when you watch him? What 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 makes him special to you when you when you are watching? Well, I love uh, the thing I love about Patrick is the freedom he plays with. Um, obviously, in the Andy Reid system, and uh, you know, with Coach uh, Eric Bieniemy, um, you know that they coach him hard on the fundamentals. That's their style, and uh, he's very good at that. He's very good at, you know, taking what the defense gives him. But I think what he's best at is the off-script plays, things that you can't coach. Um, he brings a lot to the table. Very smart player, um, elite arm strength, elite arm talent, and then uh, just playmaking ability out of this world. He's a good one. Doesn't necessarily have a lot of catches this year, but um, more than half of them have been for first downs. A lot of big third down conversions, plays like that. Just what makes him good in those moments? 
Well, Marquise is another guy who we talked about, like guys having opportunities to step up. And uh, all year long, whenever his number's been called, he, he's rose to the occasion. And uh, I feel sometimes that I don't give him the ball enough. Uh, obviously, there are you know, other factors, but you know, I think this gives him an opportunity to get more targets. And with more targets, I expect him to have more catches and more yards. And so he's done a great job all year. Um, you know, he's been one of our guys who we lean on, uh, really on third downs especially. And uh, I think he's going to continue to, you know, rise to the occasion and, and step up as he always has. How, how good was Derek's catch? Obviously, it didn't count, but just kind of him making that catch and how much maybe did that help him going forward? Man, I was so I was so uh, happy for Derek because uh, you know he does a lot of the dirty work for us. Um, you know, he's a guy in there blocking for us and doing all the hard things and um, never complains. Works extremely hard in the weight room all the time, and uh, for him to go out there and just make that one catch. Obviously, it's just one catch. But he beat a really good DB on that play, and uh, he kind of showed he showed you know what he has, man. Big guy who can run, and then is a gamer, you know, really a gamer. Before the season started, you told us that the biggest difference between where you are now and where you were your first couple seasons is that you have you're more conscientious about taking care of the football. Mm -hmm. like when along the way did that change, and how did that approach change for you? You know, I think uh, really after my rookie season. Uh, looking at looking back at my rookie season, I just felt like I had way too many turnovers. Uh, tried to force things. Uh, again, I, I always play to win. I'm always aggressive. Uh, I never want to be gun shy or feel like I'm not, you know, doing the things that I'm capable of. But there's a fine line be between being aggressive and being too aggressive. And so, uh, just evaluating myself um, just over the course of my career uh, and, and and throughout my lifetime, I just feel like uh, one thing I can continue to grow in and do better is protecting the football. And so uh, that's the main thing to winning games in the NFL is, uh, is the turnover battle. So, you know, my job is to make sure that I'm not putting the ball in at risk or in harm's, ray, uh, harm's way. And then, you know, just going out there and scoring points, you know, without turning it over. Every coach, I'm sure, preaches, you know, ball security, taking care of it. But have you, been, have you played for a coach that preaches it as much as he does? No, I've never played for a coach who uh, talks, you know, ball security as much as uh, Coach Carroll. It's literally every week, um, every day. You know, that's the, the mantra of this program. Um, and the numbers speak for it. And so, uh, you know, if we can continue to, you know, I think we did a great job early on, um, kind of had a few mistakes here and there as of late. But if we can clean those things up and not have, uh, you know, eliminate the negatives and not have turnovers or give the defense tough battles where they got to go out there and play on the short field, uh, it'll help us out in the long run. All right, that was Geno Smith says preparation does not change. He might take a little off those passes to the receivers since it will be cold. Good information there. When we return, we're going to get into the trenches with Big Ray Roberts. That's next on The Huddle. You are listening to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus, joined by Dave Wyman. And now we about to put our hand in the dirt, Dave. That means we're going into the trenches with the big homie, Big Ray. Ray, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good, but I love the, uh, the, the visual of putting your hand in the dirt. Um, most of you like skilled guys. Uh, uh, should we call you little skilled guys now? Since we're the skilled, so since the little skilled guys don't tend to do that. I'll tell you what, Ray. Uh, I rarely put my hand in the dirt too, so <laughs> fall into that category and fall. Man, talking about um, getting dirty. I think this game, Ray, is uh, is going to be a tough one. We, we're hearing about the weather, about the wind, the cold. As a offensive lineman. You know, we talked to little guys. We talked to a tight end, not little, Kobe Parks and big guy. And we talked to Quandre, uh, about my size. And they have their perspectives on preparing 
for a game like this where the weather is a factor. As a big man, I would assume it does absolutely nothing to your preparation. Uh, no, not at all. Like I, I like I remember um, my fr- like my first year in the league, my rookie year, and uh, Dave, you remember uh, Reggie McKenzie? Yes, we sir. went to play um, went to play Denver, <laughs> and so some of the guys were like, "Hey, man, like you need to put on like long sleeves and you know put on the long thermals and all this stuff." And so I'm just like, "Well, I don't normally do that, but I'll do it." And so I started doing it, and in the in the locker room, Reggie McKenzie was just like. Man, that stuff ain't gonna help you at all, man. When they start hammerheading, you sitting on the sideline complaining you can't move and blah blah blah. I was just like, dude, like I'm just trying to do what these dudes are telling me to do. <laughs> so from that from that day forward, I was just like, I'm never like I just, I'm just gonna do what I do. You know, I grew up in the South. We played in some some cold weather and and cold rain and snow and stuff like that. And I just did what I did, man. Like I just wear what I wear. I go out. Uh, I would go out like four or five hours before the game and just kind of like the one guy, I, I, I didn't go out that shirtless, but I go down like a t-shirt and shorts and just be like, if I don't mind, it doesn't matter. And so that's kind of the way um, I would approach it. And so no sleeves, nothing, just get out there and get cold, uh, you know, bang some heads and drive some people into the dirt. Ray, is that game you're talking about, is that the one where we went down 40 to nothing at halftime? It might have been, yeah. yeah. I just remember Rufus Porter was just edging on uh, Reggie. Tell him, Reggie, tell him. And I'm like, you guys are the ones telling me to wear this stuff. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, the thing I remember about that is Reggie was mad at halftime, and he threw a chair against a yes. brick wall, and that chair came back to get him. And uh, everybody in there went from being, like, super, like, wide-eyed, like, oh, man, Reggie's really mad, to, like, trying to sort of, like, hide you laughing at him because that yeah. was one of the yeah. funnier that things I've ever seen. For sure. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Ray, hey, Ray you look... Oh, go, go, ahead, go ahead, Dave. All right. I, I was just going to say, you know, when you look at their offensive line, like, you know, they uh, – I, you know, I was telling Bump, like, don't say that they can't run on us. I mean – I know that their run defense is like the middle of the pack, but, I mean, we've seen some teams who don't have a good run game run on our defense, and so I hate to be sound cynical, but, you know, it's like every every offensive lineman in the league wants to get that done, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, I've said here before, like, that's the reason you play the game. Like, most of us were defensive linemen to begin with, so you start to, you know, you want to hit people and make them, you know, feel your, your power and, and just your, your will. And, uh, and they do, they, they average probably a little about four and a half yards per carry. So they have an opportunity to, to run the ball. And the, the thing is, is, you know, if you watch the game or when I went back and watched the game uh, last week, the defensive line, man, they were playing with tremendous effort. They were playing with tremendous like uh, intensity and speed and, and trying to get to the ball. But they still, like, I remember early in the season when we were saying it's one thing to kind of execute your assignments, a different thing to kind of what you do when you show up there. So they, they need to start defeating some of these blocks so that they can make these tackles either at the line of scrimmage or for a minimal gain or, or for losses because uh, it seems like what was happening was, uh, you know, they're flying to the ball and then you, you leave that one backside gap open and then that's kind of where the running back was kind of finding that lane right there. So everyone has to get to where they're going, but then when they get there, they got to make something happen. And, uh, and so I, I love the, the intensity and the speed and the, the effort that they gave, but now they have to, 
they have to let their individual talent show up and defeat some blocks and make some stops. Ray, I've always asked you about your relationship with your guard um, since you guys are connected. But I feel like for the Hawks to get their run game going, the tight ends are going to be crucial as well. What's your relationship on the other side with the tight ends and how important is that? Well, it's uh, it's important. I remember my I played with Farrell Edmonds here in Seattle, and he was probably like one of the best run blocking uh, tight ends I've ever been around. The dude was six eight and two hundred and seventy five pounds, so he could he was like an offensive tackle. Uh, but I know for him, like we could just look at each other, and I would know, like, okay, he has the end. I can just go on up to the to the linebacker, or like sometimes he would just pat me on my he would pat my thigh pad. And then that meant to me, like, hey, I need a little bit more help with this dude. So we weren't, like, telling people what we're doing. But, you know, we had our little signals and things. But it makes a world of difference. When I played in Detroit, we had this guy, Dave Sloan, who was a really good pass uh, run blocker. And so uh, you would rather have a guy that can execute it, at least sustain his block, than a guy that gets gets defeated. Because then you just go to the sideline and go, hey, coach, like, if you're going to run to my side, just run to the open end. I don't want to work with the tight end <laughs> because they, they mess things up. But uh, it, it is uh, it is crucial to be able to do that. And I think, you know, for the most part, our our tight ends, all three of them, are willing blockers. They may not – they block at different levels. I think Disley is probably the best one. And then Parkinson, is, is he seems to be a really good uh, blocker on the run. So when you're pulling him, having him lead the running back uh, up into the hole – uh, he does a good job at that, and then Fant, you know, Fant battles, and so that's that's part of of it. So uh, I think for us, uh, they have to be able to at least get the four yards that that the, this Chiefs defensive line defense gives up. They give up about four yards per carry. You have to get those four yards so that you can keep ahead of the chains, keep some rhythm to the offense, and and then and then slow down their pass rush. Hey, Ray, I don't know if you've looked ahead, you know, just kind of at uh, the playoff scenarios because three games left and there was a calculator somewhere online where and I'm not sure how reliable it was, but basically said if you lost to to Kansas City and then won the other two against the Jets and Rams, it was like a I want to say it was like a 68, 65 percent chance of making the playoffs, 100 uh, percent or 98 percent if you if you sweep, obviously, but um Right. Have you have you kind of looked at uh, some of the teams and some of the scenarios? Uh, they they went a tiebreaker against your old team, the the Lions, anyway. The Lions, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I saw I I know that uh, we have to fit, finish with a better record than the Giants and the Commanders. I think it is. Yeah. Um, and so I I just think that you know, even this Kansas City game, it's a tough game, but the Chiefs have allowed people to hang around. And, mm-hmm. and and be in games and they and they haven't played their best games against some of the, the lesser teams. Uh and so I think there's a chance if the Seahawks uh you know can make it interesting and keep the score close, uh that you never know what may happen down the stretch and then, then you really do have an opportunity to go uh, undefeated these last three games and set yourself up. But uh, you know, obviously rooting for the for the Giants and the commanders to to, to keep losing and then uh and then if we can you know finish in a, in a space where if it came down between us and the Lions, we have that tiebreaker so i think it'd be a great accomplishment you know obviously for this team to to get to the playoffs and even for them to be still in the playoffs on at this point you know at the beginning of the season the questions around uh around the quarterback and then penny goes down and the question around the, uh, the running back position then you're starting two rookie uh tackles and he's starting rookie defensive backs like there's just so many questions coming into the 
season that people, uh, you know, just wanted to write this team off from the very beginning and still be in the hunt at this point in the season is pretty incredible. Yeah, and real quick, like the Giants and uh, Washington, like you mentioned, Ray, they play the Giants play at Minnesota, who's eleven and three. They got Indy mm-hmm. at home, then they go to Philly. Then you look at Washington; they got to go to San Francisco, who's ten and four. Um, then they got Cleveland at home, and then Dallas at home, who's ten and four. So, hopefully, uh, those two teams get beat up, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think it'll be a great—I uh, don't want to say reward, but it'd just be a, a great statement for you know for Pete, for uh, for John, for Gino, uh, for this for this rookie class, you know, yeah. for the veterans on this team that has led, you know, uh, Diggs, and even I'm sure Jamal has had his hand in it during you know camps, and Jordan Brooks, and you know all these guys that have uh, you know Blythe has come in and kind of brought some stability to the to the middle of the, of the offensive line. So I think it just says a lot for the leadership and the direction of the team uh, if they can get into the playoffs. Big Ray, man, we appreciate your time, man. You make sure you give your son Price some love, man. Congrats on his uh, commitment to Portland State, man. I oh, see you, brother. I appreciate it. Go Vikings. Go Vikings. <laughs> there we go, man. All right, now we, we got a turn- reason to root for the Vikings down there. It is. Exactly. I appreciate it. All right. When we return, we'll talk to the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. That is next on the huddle. Welcome back to the huddle. I am Michael Bumpus, joined by Dave Wyman. And now we have the pleasure of speaking to the voice of the Seahawks, Steve Rabel. Rabes, how are we doing today? Hey, Stacey. How are you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> Stacey gone. She's, she's on right. vacation, Rabes. Is that all you got, Rabel? I know. That's, listen, it's close to Christmas. I'm worn out. What can I tell you? <laughs> Good stuff, man. Um, speaking of Christmas, how are you with your uh, your gift giving? I know you've been married for a very long time now. You guys got it dialed in? Or are you still trying to figure it out like me? No, you know what's interesting? Uh, I I have very um, I have some ideas. Sharon is the one who always surprises me with stuff that I never think that I need or want, and then as soon as I get it, I think how in the heck did I live without this stuff? And I, I sort of am, uh, you know, I, I, I tend to wait a little while and then, but I think I get gifts that, that are meaningful as well. And you're right. We've been doing this a long time. We'll be married 42 years coming up here this summer and, and um, lots of Christmases, lots of, uh, lots of wonderful loving times. Yeah. My wife got me an ice machine and a girdle. So I'm not sure what that means. Um, I guess that I'm getting old, but, uh, no, no girdle actually. Well, Rabes, uh, sorry that I missed you last weekend, um, or last, last Thursday anyway. Yeah. You all right? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm getting on the, on the plane tomorrow and, uh, we'll be going to Kansas city. But, uh, what do you think, how you feel about this, this game? Because we were talking about the fact that, you know, if they, if they went out, they've got pretty much a guaranteed chance. To, I mean, I think it's in the high 90s as far as percentile of, you know, making it probability of making it to the playoffs. If they don't win and then they, they win the next two, then yeah, maybe, you know, 50, 60 percent chance. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like this is the team that we've seen that surprised us this year and they haven't surprised us in a while. And maybe they could give us a nice little Christmas treat here tomorrow or well, two days. It from would now. be great. You know, Kansas City. Uh, they, they keep finding a way to win. And of course they won the AFC West now. So, uh, that's, that's about as good as you can do there. I think, I believe they're still tied at the top of the AFC for best record. So, uh, they're, I'm sure they like that so that everything goes through Kansas city. 
But, you know, they've, they've had moments where they've shown that they're absolutely human. So they're certainly not unbeatable there as teams have gone in and beaten them in the past and even, you know, in playoff games and things like that. I, I was encouraged, and uh, I, I thought, and Bump, I think you said it earlier, I, I thought they played, I, I was encouraged by the way they played uh, the other night, last Thursday against, against San Francisco. I thought the defense was just fired up. Uh, Dave, we talked about it, uh, Ray and I in the booth. They were just flying from sideline to sideline making plays. A couple of big plays here and there. You know, you, you blow a coverage, and there goes Kittle behind you. Uh, we got another big tight end who's one of the best in the business this week, so you can't afford to do that. But I, you know, I was encouraged. So I think we, you know, on any given Sunday, we have a chance to go in there. We know that we control our own destiny. You heard the players say that all week. So I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged about uh, about Saturday. Raise, I'm, I'm listening and and reading what the Chiefs are saying to uh, to their media, and I'm hearing. Andy Reid praised Geno. I'm hearing Mahomes praise Geno. And I just don't like it, Raves. I don't like all the praise. I want them to kind of to kind of look past us. But as you know, in the NFL, you got to be able to show up every Sunday and play. They struggled against the Texans um, last week. I'm talking about the Chiefs. When you look at this matchup with the Seahawks and the Chiefs, um, where where's an advantage for the Hawks? Where What's something that they can exploit to try to stay in this game? Well, it's a great question um, because the, the, the Chiefs have a lot of weapons. The main one, as we talked about, being Travis Kelsey. You know, their wide receivers have been kind of banged up off and on. Uh, Kelsey far and away the leading receiver. Their running back, Pacheco, uh, only has almost 700 yards rushing. Uh, he's a rookie. He's a seventh-round draft choice. He's tough, uh, not that big. Th- their weapon is, is Patrick Mahomes, uh, pure and simple. Uh, you know, Kelsey, yes, is there to make the catch but only because Patrick Mahomes can turn himself inside out, run sideways. I think he can run on his hands, and I honestly believe he can fly at times uh, and make throws that most humans can't make. So that's that's the challenge for the Seahawks on defense. Also, the, the Chiefs have rebuilt their offensive front a little bit over the last couple of years. So trapping him, uh, sacking Mahomes, isn't as easy as it was. So, you know, our defense is going to be challenged. Um, the, the key for us, I think the Seahawks is to stay on the field offensively. Got to get the running game going. It's about time, you know, a week back now from Ken Walker being injured. Uh, he was a little bit sore, I guess. He didn't practice uh, yesterday. We'll see if he's going to go through some workouts today. I would guess he's probably going to rest a little bit and then, you know, get that run game going a little bit. You're going to be missing Tyler Lockett and, and Kansas city has, a, a pretty good secondary. They get guys who are decent size secondary. They'll come up and hit you. But, you know, that matchup with, with DK is one that I like him to win. So there are some of the advantages that I think the Seahawks have. And, yes, praise Geno because he's done a great job. And you wouldn't expect anything more out of a, out of a, a, a team uh, like Kansas City. They're going to praise all those guys, uh, all the Seahawks. Uh, and, and we'll just have to go in there and, and, uh, and beat them. That's as simple as it gets. Hey, Rabes, you know, uh, Gino was talking in his press conference about Derek Young and, you know, the chances, you know, maybe he gets some, some chances now this weekend. And uh, what, what will he be, like the eighth or ninth rookie to contribute uh, this year? I mean, with you, you count Boye Mafe, the two tackles, obviously, Ken Walker. But, uh, yeah, that and he's been a big special team guy, too. We've called his name a number of times on the, the coverage. Maybe he's a, a little bit of a sleeper 
as far as, uh, you know, uh, these, these rookies that we've been talking about this year. And, and you know, Dave, he's, he goes about 225 pounds. Yeah. He's really put together, 6'2". He's compact, but he can also run. Um, and, and they, they like to play him uh, when he was in college sort of as a Debo Samuel kind of guy. He can run the football. Um, you know, he had eight rushing touchdowns, and, and I don't believe me, I don't memorize all this stuff. I just happen to be looking at my board. But he had eight rushing touchdowns in college uh, along with his touchdown reception. So he's the kind of guy that you can use him in different ways, fly sweeps, get him the ball um, quickly, out, maybe out in the flat, maybe on a quick screen, uh, and even maybe out of the backfield. We haven't seen a lot of that yet. I wouldn't be surprised if Shane Waldron, the offensive coordinator, uh, threw some things at uh, Kansas City that we haven't done yet or that we haven't shown uh, just to try to catch that defense maybe off guard a little bit. So, yeah, he's one that could uh, could see some playing time. I guess Laquan Treadwell, they've signed him to the active roster. He's a veteran. He's a former first-round draft pick. Um, and so you're not going to replace Tyler, but you can kind of fill his shoes, and then you got three tight ends, all of whom can catch. Uh, I, I don't expect it to be too big a problem, although, you know, I'd love to see Tyler back for those last two. He is the voice of the Seahawks. Steve Rabel will be joined by my guy, Dave Wyman, once again this weekend. You take care, Raves. Talk to you soon. All right, guys. Thanks. See you, Raves. All right. When we return, we're going to give you an opponent preview. Me and Dave are going to break down these Chiefs and let you know who they are, what they like to do. That is next right here on The Huddle. Welcome back to The Huddle. I am Michael Bumpus, joined by Dave Wyman. And right now, man, we're going to dive into... Some of the matchups that you are going to see this weekend when it comes to the Chiefs versus the Seattle Seahawks. The very first matchup we're going to look at, man, is Patrick Mahomes against the Seahawks defense. When you look at Patrick Mahomes, he has six in the league when it comes to completion percentage, 67.4%. He's third in yards per pass, 8.1. He's third in QB rating at 105. He also is the leader of the NFL's number one offense that averages 429 points per game the Chiefs they're also the league's number one passing offense with 309 yards per game Pat Mahomes has been on a tear when he got his first start what 50 touchdowns I believe he won the MVP he's done everything a man wants to do in this game yet he continues to perform at a high level and just defies the things that you ask your quarterback to do he's like the Steph Curry of the NFL like the things he does you tell your kids don't ever do that in the game. Don't throw across your body across the middle of the field. What are you, what are you talking about trying to throw it with your offhand? He makes it hard to coach QBs these days, Dave. I was going to say, man, if you're his coach, what do you tell him, Bump? <laughs> I mean, like, and I think we talked about it on our show that, look, he, uh, it's like Russell Wilson with some of his ill-advised spin-outs and pirouettes and things like that. You're like, Oh no, don't, don't do that. Don't, Oh wait, actually that's going to work. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it's just uh, the ridiculous one that he threw across his body this last week against Houston to, uh, to Travis Kelsey. It was just crazy. Um, but yeah, he, he's amazing. I don't, I don't think he's one of those guys. Well, certainly I don't think he could ever be a quarterback coach because I think he's one of those guys that this is why you see backup quarterbacks. I feel like they can always ex explain how to do it and what they were thinking and everything. I mean, there's yeah. always exceptions like Brady. Like Brady, supposedly Tom Brady comes off the field and will tell you where everybody was. You know, the safety was here and this guy was there. It's like he's got – he's like Neo from the Matrix, you know, like he sees <laughs> everything. But a lot of guys like John Elway I know is this way where 
He just went out and made plays, and he couldn't really tell you or describe to you how he did it or, you know, and I don't think that guy worked on very many, like, mechanics or anything like that. It's kind of like Patrick Mahomes. I mean, I feel like he's more comfortable throwing, you know, what do they call it, off schedule or off whatever. They're not, you know, their feet aren't in the right spot. They're running across. They throw it across their body, things like that. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you coach that guy. Nah, I think you kind of just deal whatever he wants to do. I'm like, all right, that's what you yeah. like. That's how you did it. Yeah. Let's do it. He also has a, a completion streak of 20 passes, 25 in a row is the record. So we'll look to see if Tariq Woolen and his defense can snap that completion record early in the game. Another matchup we're looking at, man, they got a running back, Isaiah Pacheco. Now he's uh, he's taken over for uh, Alaire, who was the guy, Clyde Edwards Alaire, who was the guy earlier in the season. So far, he's got 139 carries, 677 yards, and three touchdowns. Not used much in the past game. Only has about 10 receptions for 80 yards. But we talk about their run game. You got to mention Pacheco. Also got to mention Jerry McKinnon. He's got 63 carries for 274 and one touchdown, uh, 46 receptions for 429 and five touchdowns. They have a nice little one-two combo with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire um, on the sideline as well in case they need him. Yeah, Pacheco, I was talking to Bo Melton about him, our, our receiver from Rutgers, because Pacheco is a rookie from uh, from Rutgers, got picked in the seventh round. But, uh, shoot, I mean, this kid's got a 100-yard uh, rushing game against the Chargers. Uh, he ran for 63 against Tampa, 62 against Arizona. So, I mean, uh, and then, you know, ever since in the last the last six games, he's had six games with over 65 yards rushing. So, um, again, this is uh, our run defense. They need to figure it out because, and I, I don't want to just keep piling on, but, you know, the Rams were, I think, the second worst run game in the league, and they ran for like 170. And then same thing with Tampa and same thing with Carolina. So they just got to they gotta be on top of it. But, yeah, I, I would say look for Pacheco. I mean, look, it's not like teams aren't going to try to run against this uh, against this defense. You know, the, the other thing I, I would say about this, uh, this team bump is that you look, and Ray said it, you know, that, uh, that they're hanging around. Mm -hmm. uh, teams are, are kind of hanging around them a little bit because, um, you know, they have one, one of their losses was, you know, 20 to 17, 24, 20, 27, 24. I mean, they're, they're in close games and they've got a lot of wins like that, you know, a 20 to 17 overtime win against Tennessee. Um, and then a 30 to 29 win against Oakland. They beat Los Angeles, uh, the chargers by three points. So, you know, there's a few blowouts in there here and there. But for the most part, I'll tell you what, what they should study is whatever Cincinnati's doing, because I think Mahomes has lost the last four games to yeah. Cincinnati over the last few years. Yeah. Uh, a guy we're going to need to perform, Dave, is uh, DK Metcalf. And then I'm going to throw in Marquise Goodwin as well, because we know Tyler Lockett is going to be out. They'll be yeah. facing this chief secondary highlighted by Lajarius Sneed, Trent McDuffie, local kid and uh, Joshua Williams on the year. Metcalf, 79 receptions, 924 yards, six touchdowns. And he's approaching another year with 1,000 yards. He's the fifth player in NFL history to have 50 receptions, 900 yards, and five touchdowns in each of his four seasons. Now more than ever, we're going to need to feel the impact of DK Metcalf. I spoke to Curtis earlier today about DK's approach to the game. In the last five games, he has three personal conduct fouls. And I asked Curtis, I go, how do you feel about that? Me, I'm like, 
we need some of that out there. I, I understand you get penalized and people are going to frown upon that, but DK is the first guy off the bus. He's the bully on offense, you know what I mean? And typically you don't look at receivers in that light, but when you're 6'4", 220-something pounds, like you reserve the right to be a bully out there. I like his approach, Dave. What do you think about it? I like it because I like him off the field. You know, when when we're on the road, just the way he carries himself, mm-hmm. he's just he's very humble. He's just one of the guys. He does he doesn't act like a diva. He doesn't, you know, get himself in trouble off the field or anything like that. And I've always said that's the perfect football player to me. You want to be the biggest jerk you can be to your <laughs> opponent. And I, I would use another word, but we can't. But like that, that's just how you, you should be. But then off the field, you should be a gentleman. You should be a nice guy. You should be somebody who, you know, helps other people out, things like that. I love that about DK. And, you know, he's talked about his shortcomings as far as, you know, losing his emotions on the field. He knows it, you know, as long as you're aware of it. The worst thing is when people are not aware of their right. behavior, right? So. You know, like, for example, me, Bump, I know that I'm a jerk sometimes, but, you know, <laughs> at least I'm, I know it. I'm working on it. So, no, but I mean, uh, yeah, I just, it, it's just something that I think it, it really says a lot about him. And I think it says a lot about why they paid him that much money. I honestly thought he, they got a pretty good deal on DK. Because yeah. I, I think he's a superstar, man. He's this team's superstar right now. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, you could argue that Tyler Lockett should be, but Tyler Lockett just doesn't have that kind of personality, you know. But DK's got a big personality, and I would love to see him go off, and because that, that would mean also that that Geno's having a really good day, and I really, really pulling for Geno. You know what? I have seen more out of Tyler Lockett the past few games, though. What's that? Celebrations. He's uh he's uh, embracing the the celebration part of the game which I like too man celebrate when you do something and and that's everybody I'm not just talking receivers football is so emotional I it drives me crazy when people expect football players to just act like robots like they didn't make a big play or their teammate didn't make a big play um I it, that that bothers me a little bit I know you're from a, a different day when you guys probably didn't celebrate as much, but y'all were dirty as heck too. So I guess you got to take a little and, and, and give a little bit there too. <laughs> yeah, I was a, I was a little bit of a cheater. I stole a ball <laughs> at the bottom of a pile one time in Chicago when I was playing for Denver, and the running back clearly had it, and I swiped it away from him because I was stronger than him and meaner. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, you know, it's funny, bump. I scored one touchdown in the NFL, and it was a. Uh, it was a fake field goal when I was in Denver. And uh, the Chargers had, like, this ridiculous overload. And if it was to your side, then we'd run this little flip where Tommy Maddox, the quarterback who was the holder, he would just flip it forward. And so when I, I caught it and I ran, stumbled into the end zone, and I was jumping up and down and going crazy, and people were like, well, act like you've been there before. I'm like, but I, but I haven't. But I haven't. <laughs> I've never been there before. It was my first. I'm going to act like an idiot. First so, time. Yeah, we did some of that. I love it. I love it. All right. One more segment to go. We are going to bring in Mr. John Boyle. That's coming up next on The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus. That's Dave Wyman. Welcome back to The Huddle. I'm Michael Bumpus with Dave Wyman, and we are joined by Mr. John Boyle. Boyle, how are we doing today? Doing good. How are you guys doing? We're good, man. Good. It's kind of weird not being there looking at your beautiful long hair and no, talking thank to you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, man, it's when flowing you, locks, you know, flowing locks, just the perfect amount of gray. I'm just jealous. I'm bald. That's all. 
Um, <laughs> Why'd you have to bring up the gray? I mean, geez, bump. I mean, that's it, that. That's what adds a little little flavor to it. It's I like it, boy. Yeah, it's like it's a, that's that's called knowledge right there. There the we go. Hair. He's about to spit some knowledge right now, man, boy. When you when you look at this this game this weekend, uh, all week my mission has been to find an edge. People are gonna say the Hawks aren't gonna win this game. I know they're not favored. Uh, there's no denying what's over there on the other side of the sideline when you guys, well, when they line up. But uh, I, I look at the turnovers and say, all right, if these guys can turn the football over and hang around the same way the Texans did, uh, you never know what can happen. Exactly. I mean, you, you, I think that's one of the things you really got to look to do in this game. I mean, obviously you want to win the turnover battle any week, but when you look at, you know, what has allowed teams to stay in the game with the Chiefs lately, it's been the turnovers. The, the Chiefs turned the ball over eight times in the last four games. Two of those turned in touchdowns for the Texans last week. You know, it's cold. Ball security could be an issue for both teams. So take advantage of that. Steal a possession or two. And then uh, I think if you're looking for another potential area the CX could thrive, it, to me, it's special teams. They've been a really good special teams team all year long, and especially of late. We've been seeing the big returns um, in the kick game. So just, you know, maybe maybe – flip the field a couple times that way. But, yeah, I mean, we know it's going to be tough. That's a really good team. Hey, Boyle, tell us uh, the latest as far as uh, what you know as far as the weather uh, uh, forecast is and then uh, for the game t- game time, but also just some of the preparation that, uh, that Pete has been talking about and getting his team ready. I feel like whenever there's adverse – uh, situations, Pete's always the best, whether it's a you know, lack of sleep or, you know, having to travel a long way or the conditions. Yeah. Tell us about that. Well, part. well first, let me give you a real scientific weather report, which is it's going to be freaking cold, <laughs> freaking <laughs> cold, freaking okay. cold. Yes. Uh, that's the radio appropriate version of it. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, look, it's going to be, I think they're saying what about 15 degrees is the high. So it's going to be cold for everybody involved. There's not a lot you do differently other than, you know, hand warmers and some extra layers maybe, and they'll have the heaters on the sideline. So, you know, it, it's a big part of it when you talk about Pete Carroll is them trying not to make a big deal out of it. You uh-huh. don't want it to be in guys' heads of like, oh, my goodness, this is so cold. We can't function like this. Like, you need guys to just be able to look at it as like, this is what we're both dealing with, both teams, and, and we're going to be the team that handles it best. Well, and you're saying it's going to be a big EK game, Eric Kennedy. There you go. Let's Whitman give a guy. shout out to EK. This is a there big, we big weekend for him. He's got to get everybody warm and uh, everything on the sideline they'll need to get through this one. Big weekend for EK, big weekend for the Hawks. If they can find a way to win this game and, uh, and pull off a nice little run right here, John, their chances of making the playoffs go up. Um, if they don't win this game, then they're going to need some help around the NFC, I believe. But the Detroit Lions are behind them. The commanders are in front of them. With all that being said, I mean, you start off the season with low expectations. You pull off, what, a 6-3 and three record, then you stumble a little bit. How would you characterize the season? Is a success, rebuild? Um, what are your, your thoughts overall? I mean, it depends on whose expectations you're going off of. It's you know, the the team, Pete Carroll and those players, they believe they were a playoff caliber team all along. So to them, you know, I think they look at it as just being inconsistent. It was a year that, you know, started off with the stumble, then they got going, they won four straight by double digits. And you're thinking, okay, this is, you know, a legit playoff team. And, and they haven't played as well lately. That They still got a chance to do that and recover. And if you can win three in a row here, you set yourself up well going into the postseason. But, um, you know, from an external fan standpoint, I think a good way to look at it is this is a team that, you know, it did a lot of good things this year, has a really good young nucleus, especially with this rookie class. 
and is set up incredibly well for the future in terms of the resources they have cap wise and especially draft wise. I mean, we're talking a you know probably a top five pick from the Broncos and then a high second round pick too. So it's going to be you know this this season even if it doesn't go exactly like everyone would have hoped in terms of the postseason, it's going to be a great launching off point for what could be a really successful run here going forward. It's a matchup of a couple of very well-liked coaches. Yeah. And uh, this week, have you heard Pete talk a little bit about, does he have a relationship with Andy Reid or uh, anything that you heard that was interesting this week? Yeah, you know, he talked about Andy Reid quite a bit in his press conference on Tuesday, just the respect he has for him. You know, it, Pete Carroll values few things more than the ability to to win consistently, not just be kind of a flash-in-the-pan guy, but get it done year after year. And you look at what Andy Reid has done, you know, first with the Eagles, but especially in Kansas City where they're seven straight division titles now. They've already clinched the AFC West this year. They've, I think it's been like four straight years going to the conference championship game or better. So Pete Carroll has just a ton of respect for him, the way they win, the, you know, the offense that he and Eric Bieniemy have put together and just the, the overall style of play that that team has. He's, he's got just a ton of admiration for Andy Reid. Uh, what's that injury report looking like? I know a couple guys didn't practice yesterday. Um, or where are we at as far as injuries? Yeah, you know, I think it's going to be another week where quite a few of these guys come down to the wire. We probably won't hear until, you know, Pete will talk to the media tomorrow, but I can guess him we'll get a lot of he's going to be a game day decision type. You know, Al Woods didn't practice yesterday. Kenneth Walker didn't practice yesterday. So they're, they're definitely going to be some guys that we're going to be monitoring throughout the week. And then obviously everyone knows the Tyler Lockett situation. He's coming off that surgery. Won't play this week, but there's hope he maybe can get back as soon as next week for the game against the Jets. Okay, because it sounded like they were leaving it open for this weekend, but that's well, he didn't. I mean, he didn't officially say he's been ruled out. But when Pete was asked about, you know, the timeline and could he come back next week, and he said that's what the docs are talking about. So I don't. I I guess officially we can't say he's out this week, but I don't think anybody's thinking that way at the moment. Which group do you think Boyle needs to have uh, the the best day? As far as, you know, what what needs to happen to to pull this one off? Because I feel like this team, you know, we've been talking about during the the huddle all day is that they've been very surprising this year. I mean, no, I know it's been disappointment uh, lately, disappointing, but you know, for the most part, this has been a very uh, surprising team. And I feel like this is the, the, the kind of game that they can pull off, but who needs to, who needs to lead the way you think? You know, really the entire defense needs to, to get the job done. You're, you're not going to shut them out and hold them to nothing, but just keep it in check. Avoid some of these big plays. I mean, you go back and look at the 49ers game, that, that defense played really well for probably 85% of the snaps that are out there, but yeah. there were five, six huge plays that really killed them. Um, on the other side of the ball, I, I want to see him run the ball. You know, take take a little pressure off the passing game without Tyler Lockett there. You know, it might be a little harder to throw than catch the ball if it's really cold and if the wind picks up. So, you know, whether Kenneth Walker's banged up or not, whoever's carrying the ball, hopefully it's him, but whoever it is, get some run game going to take a little pressure off the rest of that offense. Well, we know who's going to be the number two receiver. Who do you expect to be that number three and uh, get more playing time? I mean, ultimately, it'll probably be some combination. Yeah, I mean, I think we're all thinking Goodwin's the number two guy now, but Treadwell probably and and Dariq Young. But to me, really, it comes down to the tight ends more than whoever the third receiver is. Is You might play more multiple tight end sets. You might just throw the ball more to them just because those guys, you know, they're so reliable. They've done a lot of good things with those guys on the field. And then getting back to if you want to run the ball, you know, those multiple tight end sets give you a lot of flexibility as well. So, I'd, you know, I'd love to see maybe more of that. But they're they're confident in all those guys stepping up. As Pete Carroll said, no, you're not asking anybody to go replace Tyler Lockett. You can't ask one guy to do that. But 
you just hope that everybody collectively steps up, including DK Metcalf. I mean, I think there's more on him this week as well to just, you know, he's already got the most targets on the team, but you could see him get even more. All right. So we got the two rookie tackles, the two rookie DBs playing. We got Ken Walker. We got Boye Mafe. Derek Young now starting yeah, to come to on. Step up. I mean, he's already been big on special teams, but yeah, it'd be fun to yeah. see him get going on offense as well. Yeah, because you know he had a catch that didn't count. That was, it was pretty a great catch, though. Pretty spectacular. And then, you know, he's. Am I missing somebody? Is there a number eight that has played a little bit? This well, you year? got Joey Blunt a bunch on special teams. Has been, you know, he's, he's right. been one of their best special teams players out there. Not not part of the draft class. It's it's been the six right. draft picks, and then Joey yeah. Blunt also and my counting wrong six seven guys. So yeah, yeah it's I mean. Great right. rookie class all around. Yeah, I forgot about that. I think Joey Blunt was the only undrafted rookie mm-hmm. to make the, the squad, right? And he has been just dynamite on, on special teams. So him and Dariq Young both. So it's uh, pretty cool, man. You think about these guys coming back their second year. It's going to be going to be exciting to watch these guys. That's usually when, when players kind of find their way. Absolutely. Right. And, you know, I, I think especially for those tackles, just the, the – the the learning on the job they've had to go through facing the guys they face every week and playing every down. I mean, it's to me, all the rookies are exciting, and Tariq Wollum looks like just an absolute star at cornerback. But for for when you're talking about just like the foundation of this team going forward, having two really good tackles that you nailed in one draft is just phenomenal. Yeah. All right, John. Well, we appreciate your time. You have a uh, safe travels over there to uh, to Kansas City, and, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you much. Have a good holidays, to you Thanks, guys. Well, you too. All right, Wyman, that's going to do it for us, man. That is the huddle every Thursday, but this week on a Wednesday from 12 to 2. Coming up next, Dave's going to hang around and spit more knowledge on the (laughs) Wyman and Bob show. I'm Michael Bumas. Thanks for listening.